You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Happy Monday, everyone. This is AJ. As I said, we are going to talk about Saturday's game, disappointing game between Boston College and... um, It was a game Boston College lost... 43 to 32 um, and not a, not a great game. But before we get into the game itself, let's just go over some of the news from the weekend. So here are some of the things going on in Boston college athletics that you may want to know more about on Sat- uh, Friday and Saturday, Boston college hockey uh, swept Providence college in two big games. Now BC is number two in the country and they scored 12 goals over two nights over number 12 Providence. They dominated, winning 9 nothing, and winning on Saturday, and winning on Friday, 3 nothing game over Providence on Friday. Spencer Knight stopped 66 shots over the two nights, and he really set himself up to play well as he's going off to play for Team USA and the World Juniors uh, coming up. I think it's next weekend. So two big wins for BC Hockey, who are playing like animals. Now, like if you're a big hockey fan... This is this is the BC team you want to follow because they are playing like a t- like the BC teams that you remember, you know those teams under uh, Johnny Gaudreau and Kevin Hayes where they're just killing teams and they're playing really well and they've got a great goaltender in there. So, you know, this and the the, the exciting part about hockey right now is that they don't even have their best player. Alex Newhook has been off with Team Canada. So, this team is playing out of their minds. They've beaten number two UMass twice and number 12 Providence twice and outscored them, uh, I, I want to say, 22-6 to six in the two series. And this is without their best players. So this this team is like, they're a juggernaut and they're playing really, really well right now. So, you know, I think BC Hockey could be, you know, the number one team in the country. And they're really setting themselves up to, to go well, far in the Frozen Four, hopefully, if they have that. We last recorded on Thursday, and Boston College played the Florida Gators on Thursday night, so I hadn't had a chance to talk about the Florida-BC game. Ugly, ugly game. Boston College got smoked. Uh, they lost 90-70, to and it felt like Florida was up by, like, 40 at one point because they were getting so many easy at-baskets. Boston College just looked completely overwhelmed on both ends of the, f- of the court. They were playing just, just not good basketball. And Florida was athletic. They were, you know making easy passes for easy buckets underneath the net and, you know, wide-open threes, and it was just one after another for BC. Now, the big news for BC going into this game was that center James Carnick was finally uh, got his waiver, so he was able to play. Now, if you haven't seen, if you didn't watch the game, it was a 9.30 start. I wish I didn't watch the game, but I did. Uh, Carnick played a a good chunk of minutes, Um He's listed as 6'9", 230, but he's a big dude. He's a big, thick body under the under the, the uh, net. Uh, so he can play the center. And I think, you know, as I said on the a podcast last week, he could play a nice ro- he pl- he'll play a nice role of, you know, between the, the five and the four slot, I think. Um, he did fine. 
you know, no one on the team did very well. Um, and it, it was just a depressing game because Florida, if you look at the stats, they were not, they barely beat Army the night before. And then they go out and smoke BC. So it, it, it kind of, you know, reshaped any sort of positive momentum BC had going into the season. Because, you know, you go in, you beat almost beat Villanova, you beat URI, and you hang in there. Um, with St. John's, you figure, you know, this is a team that's going to battle all year. That was not the case against Florida. BC just looked completely out of their own league. And it just was, it, there were so many sloppy mistakes. There were, there were dry, you know, possessions where there were tons of unforced errors by BC, where they were just throwing the ball away. And, you know, you could see the frustration by the end. I think Jake Heath got called for a technical. Christian got called for a technical. Um, it was just an ugly, ugly game. And BC has to get better because if, they can't figure out a way to play. They have depth. The talent is there. Um, I think, you know, this this could be a really rough stretch for BC for the next couple of months. I mean, it's been a rough stretch for the last couple of years, but um, I think some people were hoping that maybe they would be able to pull off some uh, upsets. And they, I don't see that if, that if that's how they're going to play like they did against Florida. More in the news section, we had a decommitment from Boston College on Friday, Saturday. Andre Porter... Or no, he decommitted on Friday, excuse me, and then committed on Saturday. So he he was a, a defensive lineman for Maryland. He was playing ball in Pennsylvania because Maryland didn't have um, fall ball for football. And he um, he's a defensive end. He's a f- athletic kid. Um, I'll give you a quick story about him. He clearly has a very good relationship with um, Azar Abdul Brakim, uh, the defensive backs coordinator, and that makes sense. You know, he's a kid from that area. AAR has a great reputation with that group, uh, that that area. That's why Porter committed. I I love talking to kids. He, he, you could clearly tell talking to him. He didn't have much of a connection with the school itself. It was just a connection with the coach. He didn't really. I mean, you saw what he put up on Twitter. He put up that he decommitted from the University of Boston College. I don't like to rip on kids like that, but he did it for this commitment too. So. I, you know, it didn't strike me as weird that he, he left. And it's not the biggest deal because the other big piece of news is that 247 Sports are starting to put in crystal balls for four-star defensive tackle George uh, Rooks out of St. Peter's Prep in New Jersey. So this is a four-star defensive tackle. This kid's legit. He's got a final three of Penn State, Michigan, and BC. And he has offers from, you name it, they, he has it. You know, so he's a four-star kid. Um, he would be a, a – I mean, you watched what we saw on Saturday with the, the, the game against UVA. This is a kid that could immediately come in and make an impact for that defensive line. So um, that now 247, the, the two writers, um, Brian Doan and Adam uh, Tyler Calvaruso, uh, they don't have their rankings very high. Rooks is just like J- uh, Drew Kendall. He's a kid that you know keeps things pretty close to the vest. Uh, so it's still up in the air. You never know. And I don't know if he's going to commit before the early signing period because, as you know, or if you don't know, for college basketball, uh, football, there's two different signing periods for recruits. There's one that comes up in the middle of December. I don't have the date in front of me. And there's one that comes up at uh, the beginning of February. It's like the old signing day. So a lot of kids, so the majority of BC's class will probably sign in December um, unless there's a kid that's kind of wavering. Uh, kids like Drew Kendall – and George Rooks, it wouldn't surprise me if they wait till February. So just giving you a heads up. So if on December, it might be like the 15th or the 21st. It's usually around there. If they don't 
comma, they're not on that list, don't freak out because that doesn't mean anything. If, unless they're on some other team's list, then then you can freak out. Um, but there are two players that I think might slow burn this. And so, um, but that's good news for BC. It's another four star that could come in. You know, they got Bryce Steele last week. They have Clinton Burton Jr., Owen McGowan. Um, they've got a lot of high-end talent there. So keep an eye on that. And then there was another, um, I like just to throw a quick uh, recruiting piece of nuggets out there for you guys. 2022 wide receiver and four-star uh, wide receiver Peter Kikwada out of Germantown, um, Maryland, has BC in his top eight. Um, I've heard he has a great another kid with a great relationship with Azar Abdul-Rahim, um, so he might be a kid that ends up pulling the trigger. I've also heard he has a great relationship with a lot of the kids from that area on the team. So, you know, the other schools I've heard, uh, that are in his top eight are like Auburn, Florida State, Kentucky, Mich- uh, Maryland, and um, sorry, Penn State, P- Pittsburgh, and West Virginia. So, you know, there's some good schools in there, but I hear BC's in good shape. So in a moment, we're going to talk about BC's game on Saturday and give some of our thoughts about what we saw, you know, what happened, what didn't happen, and we'll go from there. But before we do, I want to talk to you about Coors Light. Coors Light is the beer when you are on all the time. For me, it was it was shoveling this weekend. You know, it, I live in the hills of Worcester, and uh, we got a big snow and ice storm this Saturday, and I've been outside shoveling and breaking ice for hours. And when I came back in, I wanted to just watch any football game that was on TV. And when I did, I reached for an ice-cold Coors Light. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Like, you know, when you're done with shoveling, how great is a nice ice cold beer? I can't think of anything that beats it. You know, you might be coming in from the cold, but a nice cold beer doesn't beat it. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look, delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Locked on Boston College, this is AJ Black. On tomorrow's show, we're going to talk about the game against Minnesota and really jump into some of the opportunities Boston College has uh, in terms of bowl games. And we'll look at some of the uh, predictions of where they could go and talk about what those matchups might look like. So you're not going to want to miss this episode. Later on in the week, we'll have Eric Hofsis back. And um, I've been told I have to hold him accountable for what he's been saying about the basketball team. So you're not going to want to miss that. So let's jump into Saturday's game. Boston College loses to Virginia 40 40- Three to thirty-two. I almost got the score wrong. Um, in a game that they lost, Phil Dracovic ended up not playing. David Bailey also didn't end up playing. So let's jump into that piece before we jump into everything that happened. So I know a lot of people were like, "Whoa, why isn't Dracovic playing?" You know, Halfley said that you know it sounded like he'd be coming back. Okay, so one thing I've learned about Jeff Halfley is that he's not going to give information to the media if it's strategically disadvantaged disadvantageous to his team. So if you know that Djokovic's not playing, you can scheme and and play defense a little differently and really work on that during practice during the week. So it makes no sense for him to tell us that. And he's done it numerous times now. He has been very, very vague on the injuries to Deion Jones and Travis Levy. He uh, He never told us 
until three weeks later about Phil Dracovic's separated shoulder. And you know what? Who cares? Honestly, it's his right to do it. Let him say what he wants to because, and not say what he wants to because he's doing what's best for his team. He's doing what's best for his players. You know, he doesn't owe us to tell us what injury stuff is going on. I, I mean, as a reporter, would I love to know that? Absolutely. It would help me uh, write, write and do my job a little bit more. But I don't blame him. That's what he wants to do. That's fine. Bill Belichick does it. And look at, you know, I, and I know he has a much more um, adversarial relationship with the media. But, you know, Halfley, if that's what he wants to do, I respect him for it. So, you know, Dennis Grossell got the start. And at first, when I saw that, I was like, oh, boy, um, you know, I, I like Grossell, but that changes the outlook of the game. Before this game, Vegas had spread at six and a half for um, UVA once the Jakovic news came out. And I was like, ooh, that seems a little tight, but we'll see what happens. And so the game starts, you know, it's back and forth. And I thought BC's defense to start the game uh, looked pretty good. They held, you know, they held UVA to just a pair of field goals and they scored a touchdown right off the bat. But the mistakes started to pile up. So, uh, not Jakovic, Dennis Grossell threw a couple of interceptions and the defense just couldn't get out of their own way um, and started letting up big chunk plays. I wrote on the site, I think it was 18 chunk plays of passing yards of 15 yard, uh, 15 yard passing plays or more or 10 yard rushing uh, plays or more. 18 of those. You're not going to win many games like that. So it was a big issue all game long. And, um, you know, Brennan Armstrong and that UVA defense, I mean, offense, just shredded BC's defense. BC's defense looked like that they did not belong on the field. You know, BC's defense led up over 500 yards. The chunk plays were all there. The tackling was atrocious. It was like all of the things that we've all complained about all year. You know, you watched the Virginia Tech game. You saw what happened against Notre Dame. All, like, compiled into one game. And... BC's defense just could not make stops. And it was, it, you know, it started to, you know, you could see it percolating in the last couple of games. You remember that I think there was one punt between Notre Dame and the Louisville game, or maybe no punt. I think it was one punt between those two games uh, by the opposition. So offenses have been able to move the ball against BC. And it, it paid and it hurt them in this game. So I think Dennis Grossell was the hero of this game. He threw for 520 yards, which uh, the announcers were quick to point out, tied him for the school record held by Doug Flutie, who also threw 520 yards in a loss um, back in 1982. And this was the most yards thrown by a Boston College quarterback since Chris Crane threw 428 yards at NC State in 2008. Now, raise your hand if you knew that Chris Crane had thrown for 420 yards in a game. I remember him as a runner. I didn't remember he had a game like that, but that was that was just an interesting note. But Grossell, he had to play hero ball in this game. Basically, he was that, you know, he reminded me of, like, James Harden on some of those bad teams where he just had to chuck threes through the whole game. That's, what, that's basically what Grossell had to do with the deep ball. And he was just throwing bomb after bomb after bomb. And to his credit... He was hitting most of them. Those were receivers were making the catches, and he was throwing touchdown passes left and right. Unfortunately, though, Grossell had two moments where you know he didn't, he wasn't able to hit his part. He threw three interceptions. Two of them were, you know, underthrown balls, and I think that's what ended up, 
those were that and the defense were the big daggers because BC left points on the board. You know, he had Zay Flowers in the end zone on one of those and it was pulled away by, I think his name was Grant. Um, and another one, he just, it was a, that one near the end zone again where he was getting pressured and threw off his back foot on a pass he should have never have thrown. But otherwise, you can't knock Dennis Grossell for the game he played. He played out of his mind and he had BC in this game until the very end. Um, and you got to give him props for that. Zay Flowers, he had an amazing game as well. Eight catches, 180 yards, uh, a pair of touchdowns. Hunter Long, eight receptions, 100 yards, touchdown. Jelani Galloway, another touchdown. So you're seeing, you know, BC's receivers playing really, really well. And later on next week, we're going to probably, you know, or maybe after the bowl probably, we're going to talk about each position group and really dive into what the year looked like and kind of look ahead at what they are at. But I'm going to tell you right now, next to the quarterback, the wide receiving group is probably the most exciting group. Now, um, on terms of, we're going to, in the third section of our podcast today, we're going to talk about the defense and I'm going to really dive into that. Uh, before we do that, though, I want to talk about the offensive line, who also struggled at times. I want to say the play was inconsistent. I, I was a little tough on them on the on the website earlier today, but they had their moments. I mean, you know, they had times where they were really good in, in pass protection, but there were other times where they could not keep Dennis Grossell on his feet. And that was probably because UVA just knew he was going for the bombs and they had no, you know, they were not respecting the run. Um, but it was just another one of those games where the offensive line just didn't look all that great. I just wasn't impressed by their play. Um, and finally, the last piece of that game was the rushing attack. You know, BC finished with minus rushing yards in this game. The first time they've done it since 2015 when they did it against Louisville. And remember what that offense looked like in 2015. So it, it was a it was a tough game to watch in that in that sense. Uh, when we come back. We're going to talk about the defense because that was the biggest sticking point um, in this game was the play of the defense. They just really struggled. And I want to look at what they did as a group in this game. And is it is it part of a bigger problem or is there other things that we need to look at when we talk about the defense? But I want to talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is a delicious, nutritional bar that you can get that comes in a variety of amazing flavors. They have 18 flavors. Some of my favorites are mint brownie, raspberry, and coconut almond. I'm a coconut person. I love coconut everything. So to get it in a bar that's delicious and nutritious, it's right up my alley. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, which is good. And it's great for the health conscious guy or gal. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Now let's listen. Let's go into. I was saying the coconut almond because you know it's like an almond joy. It's something I I would like. 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, five grams of sugar, and five grams net carbs. Where are you gonna beat that? That is an amazing nutritional snack that you can have that'll give you protein and keep you full. Now Built Bar has a promotion that you're gonna want to know about. They're going to give you a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. 
Before we jump into talking about Boston College's defense, I want to tell you about Locked On NBA. The Locked On NBA season preview is almost here. The wait is almost over. The 2020-2021 NBA season is almost here, and the Locked On NBA podcast will get you ready with a special week of shows beginning December 14th. Get previews of every team, division by division, from all 30 of our Locked On local experts. Plus, waiver wire additions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, rookies to watch from Chad Ford, and predictions on each division from Rejecting the Screen. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcast. All right, Locked On Boston College here. This is AJ Black editor and publisher of BC Bulletin. You can find all my work at bcbulletin.com. If you're there, join our uh, commenter group and leave your thoughts. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about um, some of these games. And you can also find me on Twitter at AJBlack underscore BC. So yesterday during the game, I saw a lot of hate for Boston College's defense. And I get it. They played poorly. It was hard to watch. They couldn't you know, stop anything. Someone said they couldn't stop a nosebleed. I, I saw that out there. And um, it, it was true. They didn't. Um, and what I saw was the fan base getting really, really hard on defensive coordinator Tem Lokabu. And I want to talk about what we've seen this year and, and give my thoughts about the defense. So Boston College last year had one of the worst defenses in college football. They were ranked 128 in a lot of different statistics, including points per game, yards per game in both rushing and passing, sacks allowed. I mean, sacks, you name it. They were near the bottom in almost everything. So when Jeff Halfley took over, I think a lot of people expected that he and Tim Tim Lokabu were going to change the defense and make them instant contenders. Now, if you follow what I said on BC Bulletin earlier this summer, I said that's not really a fair expectation given the lack of ta- like explosive talent on that defense. I said, you know, what is fair is to expect uh, imp- incremental improvements on defense. And has Boston College done that? That's what I want to ask. That's the, the point of this, this section. Has Boston College's defense improved incrementally? Because you can't expect the defense to go from 128 to 20, and if it's not, it's pathetic, and it's that's the end of this, this discussion. That's not fair. I mean, that's not realistic either, because what, you're, what we're going to look at is that there were certain things that happened that also made this season incredibly difficult. I don't have to tell you about COVID-19. You know, talking to the team, what they had to do, what they had to do to prepare for this season was incredible. So you're, I see a lot of complaints out there about tackling. Fair enough, their tackling was poor. Um, how does BC improve on tackling? How should they have been improving on tackling? Strength and conditioning is a big one. How, well, how are they going to strengthen condition when they're at home? So all those videos that we showed and shared on Instagram and TikTok and whatever, BC football players, you know, lifting their golden retriever or, you know, uh, running in their garage or lifting, you know, water coolers. That's all fun and da- nice, but that isn't going to improve their tackling from last, last year to this year. And they would like that until the beginning of July a month and a half before the season started. So these players, what you saw on the field, they were not able to train and get ready the way that they normally do. And I can hear it already. Well, other schools had to do that, and they didn't seem to be impacted by that. Yeah, and you see what happens with them and their COVID cases. How many other teams had 
players getting knocked for, you know, COVID, COVID rates that are, you know, and they're missing games and they're losing big players. Some of that has to do with them breaking the rules and doing things like lifting weights and stuff like that. Is that okay? Sure. But that's, that's, that's not what Jeff Halfley and his crew were going for. So I, I look at tackling and I look at that as an issue and I say, you know, when things get back to normal, that it will get better because you're going to get into the weight rooms. You're going to have strength and conditioning coaches working with these players on custom plans to get them ready for the season. I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying you want to see improvement. We're going to have to wait a little bit because that's that's where they're at. Now, in terms of scheme, yeah, there were times where they were not where they're supposed to be. There were times where they were not doing what they were supposed to be, and that that is bad. But again, I'm, look at what happened. You have to put the season in context. You can't just say, oh, they stunk. That's fine. That's a great sports radio take on anything. But look at what they had to do. They had a new coaching staff come in, and they were not able to meet with them in person until July. They had some spring practices, but that was six months ago. So you would say, okay, well, they, you know, just like everyone else, they should have improved a little bit. Let's look at the statistics. Look at all of the major um, categories in defense, and has Boston College improved? All right, let's look at that. Points per game, down. Sacks went up from 19 to 25 in two fewer games. Rushing yards per game went down. Passing yards went down. And they did all of this while playing two of the top three teams in the nation, and they had no FCS cream puffs on their schedule. Is that improvement? If If you're still saying no, I don't know what you're watching, but... They were able to do what they were saying, what they were able to do. They went up incrementally. They were able to do this with a new staff during COVID and make that incremental shift. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Uh, should they get better? Yes, they definitely need to. But I don't think this yelling and screaming about the coaching staff and that this defense is terrible is going to get anywhere. It's tough to watch. I totally get that. I totally get it's frustrating to watch, too. BC blew a game on Saturday that really would have turned the um, direction of this program. But, again, you have to take everything in context. This team will get there. If you believe in Jeff Halfley, this team will get there in the next year or two, okay? You know, you look at these games, you see Notre Dame, you see Louisville, you see UVA, and it's disheartening, and I get that. But you look at some of the things that they're going to need to change and you look at recruiting and the answers are coming. The, and the answers to fixing this defense are coming. Because this, if there was anything going into the season that we all worried about, it was not Jeff Halfley's defensive chops. We know he can coach defenses and we know he can bring a defensive coach that can coach defenses. He's not going to bring in a guy who's going to let this defense be terrible. He's going to need he needs time to build depth. He needs a time to build and work on conditioning and learning his playbook and he'll get there. And one last thought, in terms of depth, you you know, watch the tape from Saturday. There was a lot of things going on on defense that were really bad, but the biggest thing on Saturday that happened was the injury to Deion Jones. Deion Jones is one of the best defenders Boston College has. They get him back next year. Yay. 
But when he went down, that's when the defense fell apart. And the reason why is that they were down to their third string safety at that point. They threw in Jalen Williams, a kid who, you know, is a true freshman out there to play you know, um, safety. And all that lack of time on campus and with the coaching staff clearly showed with this poor kid. He had he was the big issue when they scored a, f- a quick touchdown right after Deion Jones went down. And on that last drive when BC was kind of getting back into it, it was Williams that fell down when he should have been able to tackle that running back. He, if you watch the replay, he just kind of falls. So that's the t- when we're talking about like context, BC lost their best defensive player and then everything fell apart. Now they're going to need the depth and that's going to come. So we'll see as we move on what happens with Halfley and what happens with his recruiting groups because he's bringing in talent and what that's going to do to this defense. But I I just stress, like it's easy to, to watch a, a game and, and react game by game, but look at the big picture with this team. I think things are going to change. You've got to give it a little time. And that's the end of my rant on the defense. This is AJ Black. We're going to be back tomorrow to talk about Minnesota and BC basketball. We'll talk about Bulls. I'm going to have Eric Hoffsson later in the week. We'll have all sorts of other great things going on. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBC. And if you're following us on um, Apple, give us a five-star review and, and uh, let others know about how much you like uh, Locked on BC. I've gotten a bunch of great emails from uh, followers that really like this podcast and i've and thank you so much it really does mean a lot to me to hear from you guys um and i'm glad that this podcast is becoming part of your routine uh so thank you all and i will see you all again tomorrow take care everyone